1: Hello and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the U Up podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham.
2: And I am Jared Freed. It is so good to be back here with you, Jordana. But we have a very special guest today. We want to get him on right away, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm pumped. It's uh, it's a pleasure. He's the host of, of the Savage Love cast, author of Savage Love, a weekly sex advice column. Dan Savage, how are you? Thank you for coming on.
3: Hey, I'm really good. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Of course. So your new book is coming out in September. Can you tell us like what it's about? Um, what like the gist is? I know you've been, how long have you been writing this sex, this sex advice column that you
3: have? Well, it's a book that's uh, tied to the 30th anniversary of the, my sex advice column. I started writing Savage Love in September of 1991 when oh. I was eight years old. And <laughs> the book is sort of um, some of the big themes of savage love, some of the big uh, acronyms and neologisms, launched by Savage Love, things everybody knows and loves like Pegging and Santorum. Uh, And I did it in collaboration with Joe Newton, who's a terrific graphic artist who's been doing the most hilarious illustrations for Savage Love for 20 years. And it sort of looks like a kid's book. It's called The ABCs of Savage Love. It sort of looks like a kid's book. His drawings are very, um, I forget the name of the kind of kid's books. that They're kind of echoing, but they look like kid's book illustrations. But of course, the content is fucking filthy
2: and and that's (laughs) i would imagine that's to make people more comfortable getting into these subjects is that uh, what that's about or are you just like no i just want to have cartoons and
3: (laughs) (laughs) well you know the thing about doing sex advice or any sort of sex content is that you want illustrations or you want animation that allows someone's imagination to fill in the blanks you don't want to draw things that are telling people what they're supposed to picture because what's sexy and arousing is really subjective So rather than like doing illos of like conventionally hot people uh, to go with my columns, it's sort of illustrations that are smart and often ironic or making their own internal joke. And that feature cartoon animals instead of uh, hottie cartoon people with like fake cartoon abs going at
2: it. Well, I guess it's more comfortable seeing some, you know, if you see someone with abs, you're like, well, that's not for me. That's only for ab people.
3: Right. It also assumes that everybody's attracted to people with abs, which is sure. just not the case. Some people like six packs, some people like kegs or liter bottles or whatever the <laughs> right. other iterations might be if you Absolutely. tortured that metaphor.
1: So you've been doing this for 30 years. Can I ask like, how the kinds of advice that people are asking about has evolved over that, over that amount of time? Because I just feel like even we've been running, we've been doing this podcast for a little over three years and I feel like it's evolved even since then, so I can only imagine. And yeah, and also before is- you get
2: before you get into it, for those that don't know, like Dan, you're the OG in this territory. You're the <laughs> you 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 kinda of, this is the you have made this space, the sex and relationship uh guy. Like if they, if they people don't know you, they should and your book is like, you know, uh, you, know, leg- you know, you're know, you a legendary you know, person in this kind of territory, so well, thanks, it's really thanks. cool to have you here. But, I mean, who would know better about the evolution of this stuff than you? Probably nobody.
3: Yeah, well, the column first started, it was a joke. I was, you know, this guy I met, Tim Kack, who was going to start The Stranger, a newspaper in Seattle, And we started, I said, you know, you should have an advice column because everybody reads an advice column When you see that format, you can't not read it. And he said, excellent advice, right? The advice column. And I wasn't angling for it. I was just like telling him what to do because I guess that qualifies me to give advice. I'm like very much in the habit of telling people what to do. And originally it was a joke. I was going to just give, because it was a straight newspaper and like, I was just a waiter and a cocksucker. This was, I didn't want to be a writer. And I was just going to give straight people advice with the same contempt that heterosexual advice columns had always treated gay people who came to them for advice with. Mm. And then it took off because straight people kind of loved being treated with this contempt. And it became a real advice column by accident. And I suddenly had to know things. The first time I read about the clitoris, I put it in the wrong place. <laughs> and you couldn't just Google clitoris in 1991 and find out exactly where it was. Turns out it's not on the soft palate. That's just mine, not everybody else's. Um, and so I've been doing this for a very long time and it sort of became my accidental career. And what I've really noticed is like one of the big things that's changed is a lot less things make you gay now. 30 years ago when I was writing the column, I would get panicked letters from straight girls who thought their boyfriends must be gay because they like to have their butt touched or they like to have their nipples touched or they had a feeling or they shed a tear and all these things are gay. It didn't matter how much the guy ate her pussy. It didn't matter how many times they had <laughs> vaginal intercourse that he really enjoyed. If he liked any butt stuff in any direction, if he liked to touch her butt, that many was gay. If he had a feeling that many was gay. If he liked musicals, that many is gay. If he, and wow. and, we'll and now we're eating sometimes. ass on a silver platter. Now it's like the world has gone ass crazy. I know everybody's an ass eater now that used to be that wasn't even a gay thing when I came out like it was like that was rare and now for gay people, that's like that comes standard. any model that comes without ass eating gets returned <laughs> to the lot, and now straight people eat ass and write songs about it. It's been kind of we took marriage from you, you took ass eating from us. I think it was a fair exchange
2: listen it, it all works out in the end i um I mean yeah, is, is what is uh I, I mean, on that subject that Jordana brings up, what is like, what what's the hardest part about giving advice now versus then?
3: Well, back then, you know, it was before Wiki. And so people would write me, what's a butt plug? They'd overhear someone mention a butt plug. They pretend they knew what that was. And then they'd send me a question. That was a really easy column to write. I could write that column with a hangover now butt plugs have a wiki page fist fucking has a wiki page (laughs) how do i deep throat has a wiki page and so the questions i get now are all situational ethics i did this they did that who's the asshole was i wrong were they wrong i have to kind of read minds like what was left out of the letter you know someone's going to make themselves look good and someone else look bad sometimes you know someone will give me a situational ethics question and i'll give them advice assuming that the other party that they're writing about was the wronged Was in the wrong. And then I'll get the other side of the story from that person. They'll see the question and write me the other side of the story. And it turns out the other person was an asshole or everybody was an asshole. And those columns are a lot harder to write. And I have to think about them a lot harder. And people come down on me a lot harder if I get that wrong. When I put the clitoris in the wrong place, I said it was at the top of the vaginal canal. I thought it was like a joy buzzer up by the cervix (laughs) because I was like a 26 year old thug. What did I know about where the clitoris was? Uh, (laughs) It didn't occur to me to look it up and it went through two female editors and then into print. So a whole bunch of people didn't know where the clitoris was. Then,
1: Well, I feel like also I can imagine you're saying like you got a lot more criticism. If you it's like back in the, in the nineties, if you, you know, if someone wanted to critique your advice, they'd have to write a fucking letter, letter, right? Yeah. Now it's like, you can just comment any kind of mean thought that comes into your head
3: anywhere yeah. you see
1: fit. So I'm sure that's
3: yeah.
1: more annoying. I, you know, when I did
3: something wrong with the clitoris, that became a joke for like four weeks or four months in the column. When someone feels that I've given someone the wrong advice, when there's like lives and relationships and at stake or just feelings at stake, people get really angry in a way that didn't get angry if they thought my butt plug advice wasn't totally on point. But, you know, I always like to say the biggest thing that's changed Is 30 years ago, I would get these questions where someone would say, "Write to me on a letter. They had to put in an envelope and put a stamp on and put in the mail." I have the sore on my anus, my vulva, my penis. It looks like this. It's been this long. What is it? And I would run these questions and say, "Well, I'm not a doctor. Even Mm -hmm. if I," and they'd say, "I'm too embarrassed to go to the doctor." That was always a letter. Too embarrassed to go to the doctor. And I would write them back in the column and say, "Just for the record, not a doctor." Even if I could tell you what it was, you still have to go to the doctor. I can't print the column in penicillin this week, and you can't shove the newspaper in your panties. You still got to go to the doctor. I don't get those questions anymore with the long descriptions, and I'm too embarrassed to go to the doctor. I get digital photographs enclosed in emails (laughs) from people who are too embarrassed to go to the doctor, but not too embarrassed to stand on a sink in a dorm bathroom and bend over and take a picture in the mirror and then email it to me through an unsecured server with their real name attached to it not too embarrassed for that but too embarrassed to go to the doctor
2: so those messages go to the doctor never
3: know when that enclosed photo is going to pop up i literally been on airplanes back when we went on airplanes looking through my email and a giant picture of a vulva or an anus with a sore on it pops up on my screen it's awkward
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't swipe left on the on the photos if you're you know you're showing someone a picture of a cute little of your dog they swipe left they see the uh, uh oh, sexually oh, transmitted what? infection
3: <laughs> yeah my lawyer told me that with sort of the common understanding if you write to an advice columnist the letter becomes the property of the advice columnist they can publish it right you have mm-hmm. the copyright as the columnist so i actually own all these photographs now and i'm thinking about doing a flip book because i've been saving them for <laughs> the 20 years i've been getting email you like should it's do an one appetite suppressant book- something to hang on the fridge <laughs> You should do one of those books
2: where it's close up and you have to guess what it is and it's just all different diseases and stuff. That would be fun. Yeah,
3: you have to guess what it is, but then after like 10 or 12 guesses, you realize it's all sores on genitals.
1: (laughs) Do you feel like you've seen a lot more people write in about like open relationships or kind of non-conventional relationships than they they were before? How do you feel like that space has been evolving just from the emails that you kind of get?
3: You know, I, I think there's been this... Nor, uh, you know, There's been this enormous cross-pollinization between gays and straights, uh, to zoom way the fuck out for a second. Um, it was really common for gay people who are in open relationships to be honest about that. Uh, and it was really common for gay people to treat monogamy as an opt-in choice rather than a default setting. And as right. more gay people came out, you know, to be out and gay, you have to tell the truth about being gay. And you continued to tell the truth about everything else about your sex life. And as more gay people were out to more straight people and more straight people got to know more gay people, more straight people got to know people who were in functioning, healthy, open relationships. And I think there's been this adoption of open relationships, not as a model, not as a preferred setting, but as a possibility for a lot of straight couples, which is not to say there weren't straight people in open relationships 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there were. It just wasn't as common. It is really almost a default setting for gay couples to have some allowance, some uh, flexibility around monogamy that straight people haven't allowed themselves. And as more straight couples have gotten to know gay people, yeah, you get more questions as an advice columnist about relationships. More and more straight people are realizing that monogamy as a, God, I can't remember the name of the writer. It's sex writer. I quote in one of my books: "A monogamous relationship is a disaster waiting to happen." And more straight people have realized that, in part, because they've seen gay people navigate what, for so many straight couples, are really dangerous waters. Which is not just openness, which can be dangerous. You know, there are risks when you open your relationship, but keeping your relationship closed presents risks around boredom. If the only way you can ever touch anybody else ever again is to get out of the relationship you're in, people will get out of the relationship they're in, and really, we need to have a different understanding of what commitment is. I, I just think it's interesting
2: that you're you're kind of saying you're like there's some sort of center ground that hasn't been found yet because you know this idea of like fully open. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, you know. Gay men, lesbian women, wherever you stand sexually is listening to like the idea of an open going, yeah, I hate that part of my community. I hate that I have to deal with that. That, That's the kind of the the opt or the you opt into monogamy. And then there's people on the other side who are Mm -hmm. going, yeah, I hate that we have to opt into, you know, open. Like, how do you find I mean, what you're saying is like there's got to be some sort of happy medium.
3: Well, I think the happy medium, I think the sweet spot is having options. That monogamy is not the default setting if you're gay or straight and openness isn't the default setting if you're gay or straight. The thing I am constantly telling monogamous couples is that monogamy is the only thing we expect people to do perfectly all their lives for decades and decades to be considered any good at it you can be the world's greatest Olympic medalist snowboarder and fall the fuck down and get up and still be the world's greatest Olympic medal winning snowboarder. Monogamy, you're with somebody 50 years, they find out you cheated once, you were terrible at monogamy, you were never in love with this person, you betrayed them in a way that's unforgivable. I'm sorry, if you're with somebody 50 years and they cheat on you once or twice, they were good at monogamy not bad at monogamy. They were really, really fucking good at it. And if you take that attitude, that helps more monogamous relationships survive the almost inevitable infidelity that's coming their way. I'm sorry, like 50 years you're together, somebody's going to cheat. Do you want the relationship to survive? Are you committed to each other or are you committed to monogamy? If you're committed to each other, you should want the relationship to survive. That doesn't mean it's not a betrayal. It doesn't mean you don't get to get mad. It doesn't mean that work won't have to be done. To, to repair the, the, the breach or, or the hurt, work will have to be done. But do we want monogamous relationships to be as lasting and stable as non-monogamous relationships? I think so. And there's data for that. Um, the studies coming out of uh, Holland, which has had same-sex marriage the longest, the relationships that are least likely to be monogamous are gay male, more likely are straight, uh, most likely to be monogamous or lesbian relationships the gay the relationships that are the most stable gay male m- not as stable straight least stable lesbian really monogamy correlates with instability <laughs> everybody has it in their heads that non-monogamy is always the end uh, and, or openness is always the end yeah. and the data is coming in to show that that's not true
1: you got- go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app rakuten shoppers get it
2: do you think that what hurts openness open relationships is that that becomes kind of like the first excuse that people use to get out of a relationship like like that because it's usually like when we get emails it's like you know whenever an open relationship is presented is like well, that feels like a, uh, a road to the out, you know, like to, to get out of the relationship as opposed to like, this is what they really want. It's kind of like been taken over by the people who don't really take it seriously.
3: Yeah, there are some people who ask to open the relationship because they don't have the courage to end it. And so mm. they want to have their cake and eat it too. Right. But our, our, our sample is skewed, particularly straight people's cam- samples are skewed when it comes to open relationships, because you hear about the ones that failed. If right. a couple is in an open relationship and they're straight, maybe they have three ways every once in a while, maybe they even have other relationships, the odds that they're out about being non-monogamous to their family and friends are really low. Most mm-hmm. non-monogamous straight couples aren't out. So straight people hear about the open relationship when that couple is ending it. And then like, oh, look, they like, oh, they were having sex with other people. Oh, they had a three-way, of course. And then it could be that your parents have been together for 40 years and swingers the whole time. And you don't know about about it and you probably don't want to know about it. And your parents have spared you like where they're going on their weekend getaways, you know, they're going to like big swingers conventions. And so you don't factor in the long-term stability of your parents' open relationship because you don't know about it.
1: Right. I feel like the tough part is, is that even if you have an open relationship, there are usually still rules, right? So it's almost like there's still opportunities to betray someone, even if you have a sort of more non-conventional setup.
3: Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: I mean, and we'll get to that I guess in the email that we're going to go go over, but I do feel like like what do you think it is about having these options that makes those couples more stable or that makes, you know, people feel not as constrained or
3: Well, you know, people have this sort of hardwired need for variety but also for affirmation, and it's hard to feel erotically affirmed by someone whose job it is to fuck you. Right. Uh, and sometimes people need to get that affirmation right. elsewhere. That doesn't mean you Put have to like- Put on the to,
2: hard like, hat, get to the factory. Yeah, that's yeah, no, not it, fun.
3: It doesn't mean that you you have to sleep with other people, but it's healthier if you can like go out with your partner and see them like through other people's eyes. If other people are attracted to them, then you can, it's almost as if you see them uh, freshly. And right. you can do that without opening your relationship. But that's what a lot of people in open relationships get it's not that all your sexual energies are directed elsewhere now. It's your sexual desire for your partner is reinvigorated in part by the fact that other people are interested in your partner sexually or even having sex with your partner.
2: That, that takes an incredible amount of confidence in the in your partner and yourself and the relationship, right? Like that's you can't I can't imagine a, a couple that's like Is she still into me, like, can do this? like that? But what's
3: what's more exhausting, the confidence that it takes to have, if not openness, at least an acknowledgement that you're still attracted to other people and attractive Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's more exhausting, the confidence that takes or the constant policing that goes on in monogamous relationships, unhealthy monogamous relationships, where you looked at that waiter, you're into your personal trainer, or I'm going to search your phone and let me look at your computer. And oh my God, you got on a dating app. Just to like look around and the amount of time and emotional energy people waste policing their committed monogamous partners for evidence of what they should just assume to be true. Of course, your partner of 10 years wants to fuck other people and thinks about it, just as you want to fuck other people and think about it. It's that they don't, and that should be enough. But of course, they want to. And so, yeah, it takes some confidence to have an open relationship. It takes some work and a lot of good communication, but work communication that you need that for a monogamous closed relationship too. So you're already kind of doing that work.
1: Yeah. I guess the fear is just that like, if you would allow someone to be with someone else, it just makes it that much easier for them to leave you for that person.
3: Yeah. That's definitely a risk. mm -hmm. And I, the, the, I mean, but the flip side you, is if you don't allow your partner to be with anybody else, they might leave you f- to get to be with somebody else. That's you know, true husband, too, yeah. <laughs> my husband's been with me for 27 years and we were monogamous for the first four. And one of the things we've said to each other is one of the reasons we love each other and are still together is that we can have each other and other people too. That we didn't, we weren't ever put in a position where we had to face a choice, just you or new experiences, variety affirmation from elsewhere
1: what makes you prioritize that relation the relationship you have with with your husband over a you know anyone you meet that you feel like oh is really cool and really interesting and really different like what kind of keeps you um committed to your husband
3: there's all sorts of things uh inertia (laughs) mortgages (laughs) intermingled finances there are outside things that put a pressure on a couple to stay together uh, we have just, by being open, taken something that puts pressure on a couple to, to, to leave each other and and disappeared it. That That's not uh, an internal pressure pushing us away from each other. There's a lot of things that push us toward each other, including affection, including the kind of intimacy and familiarity and comfort and security that comes with a long-term relationship. But as Esther Perel, who's a terrific writer on relationships and infidelity in marriage says all that kind of intimacy, comfort, familiarity is in conflict with eroticism, which requires unfamiliarity and distance. And so the challenge for people who want to be monogamous is how do you have intimacy, familiarity, closeness, while still maintaining some distance and unfamiliarity for desire to fill that space. And it's a challenge. And for people in open relationships, I can have familiarity with my husband and intimacy with my husband and Still get to experience the eroticism of the unknown and difference with other guys. Sometimes with my husband.
2: I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that there's like there's that are listening, going, "There's no fucking way I'm having an open relationship." Like, and and fine, that they're, they're they're okay. That's okay. No, no, I, no. I, if
3: you've li- no, I'm sorry. If you've listened this far into the show, you are now legally obligated have to have right? an open relationship. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, John for Tupar. those people where they're in a serious relationship, but they're hearing things you're saying and agreeing with them, because like I, there are things you're saying that I'm like. Yeah, this all makes sense. Like, you know, variety is a spice of life, and then also being with someone for a long period of time is a beautiful thing as well. Like, what about, what? what's a non-sexual way to kind of get that adventure. Like, is, the, is that even possible? Like, going to a bar, like, dressing hot, flirting with someone? Like, like are there, yeah, are there like, bumper, is there a bumper bowling version of the actual bowling? Because someone listening <sighs> could be like, I want that, but I don't want that, you know? Yeah, right.
3: There are straight couples who go to swingers parties and only have sex with each other who are in this erotic environment where other people are having sex. Maybe they get off on being a little exhibitionistic or they get off on the voyeurism, but they only have sex with each other. One of the things that really kills sexual desire, particularly in women, and women's desire in a committed, long-term, exclusive relationship actually falls off faster than men's desire. Women are wired for more variety than men are. Um, And the thing that really kills female desire Which becomes a problem in a lot of long-term committed opposite-sex relationships that the men and women don't move in sync on this. What kills it is boredom, and so the the, what you said. The word I want to jump on is adventure. Go have adventures together. The mistake people make is they look at their relationship after ten years and think we had so much fun at the start. It was so exciting at the start, and now it's bad. And so we have failed at this. And what they're sort of misdiagnosing is what made it fun and exciting at the start, which was not anything intrinsic to these two persons. It was that at the beginning, you were the adventure they were on and they were the adventure you were on. You didn't know them, and you were getting naked with them for the first time. Could have been an axe murder. Could have been crazy. It was a risk, and risk is exciting and gets adrenaline pumping and fills dicks with blood and fills the shafts of the clitoris with blood too. And so, what you have to do in a long-term committed, exclusive relationship is go on adventures together. You have to, because you're not the adventure anymore, and they're give not. Give us the some,
2: adventure. give us some examples because have sex on the with-
3: roof. Get out of the fucking bedroom where you have sex all the time. Get off of the bed. Go to like a bar that's dark and arrive separately and then circle each other and watch other people flirt with your partner and then make out with each other. Go to a sex party and not don't have sex with anybody else. You know, do something. Take risks decide we're going to have sex twice this week, which is a lot for a couple after 10 or 15 years, and the other person's going to initiate, but it can't be in the house. And so basically your partner is going to sneak up on you somewhere, and then it's going to happen. They show up at your office. It's like, okay, that's a risk, right? You're going to have to find an empty conference room or a bathroom with a lock on the door or a stairwell. You might get fired. Okay, that's risky, (laughs) i think it's worth it the first time you fucked them you might have gotten killed for all you know this person could have been a dangerous lunatic and you did it anyway so risk a reprimand risk a written reprimand at work to fuck your partner of 10 years in the bathroom and get caught it'll be exciting but people come to me and say like oh the sex is really boring now how do we spice it up in the house in the bed at the same time with the same person after 12 years it's like okay if the with the same person thing can't change And you, it's not like with the same person and somebody else tossed in, maybe, then you need to change when, where, and how and have an adventure together. And then it'll be exciting.
0: That's great advice. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com.
1: You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Their spring collection is here. So get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your leaf fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com e.com to shop spring looks now.
2: What about like a partner who like maybe someone's listening now and they have a partner they're like how do I go to this person with this like they're maybe more closed off. Like I think a lot of people are afraid You know, there's one partner that's like into bringing this up and then there's another that's just and it's usually like a a lot of straight guys. I mean, as you said, like way back when, you know, what's gay, what's not gay. And now it's, you know, uh, like finger in the butt during a blowjob is like, okay, that's what he wants. You know, I I bring that up all the time on this podcast and I've had people (laughs) come to me and go. I did it to my boyfriend and now that, thank you. Like, you know, like, (laughs) and, and, but like, how do you break through to a partner that may be resistant to these things?
3: Everything I said presumes that the the two people in the relationship that we're talking about, the hypothetical relationship are still attracted to each other. You can't really fix it. If one person just isn't into the other person or both people aren't into the, uh, each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, if
2: someone being resistant to change, that means they're not into them.
3: Possibly. There there's two possibilities here. Like one person, if one person is done with sex or just done with the other person, just not attracted to them, there's no amount of like throwing tit clamps or duct tape or fingers and butts at that that's gonna change anything. Mm. But sometimes it can be that one person's more sexually inhibited or reserved than the other. And then you have to pick your adventures or propose adventures or come up with them together that represent baby steps that help that other person feel safe, but also feel like they're taking a small risk. And it's important to remember if you're the partner who's more adventurous, that your less adventurous partner's first reaction might be negative. We live in a really deeply sex negative culture. If the first thing out of their mouth is no and like, ooh gross, and they're shaming you, you kind of have to let that wash off you, roll off your back because you have planted a seed in their head and they're gonna be thinking about what you said. And it's often the case with the more shy, reserved, inhibited partner that they come back after a month or two and say that thing you said, that thing you wanted to try. Mm. Like, can we talk about that some more? But if you blow up or get angry or get really wounded, uh, if your partner at first isn't into the conversation, they're not gonna feel comfortable bringing it back up when they become interested in whatever it was that you were trying to suggest it's almost like you have to control for sex negativity. And that's like about right. revealing a kink. Like you tell your partner you want to try bondage, you're getting peed on and they or feet and they freak out. Okay. Well, if you then never tell another partner or you become so shut down, you know, so wounded that you can't connect with the partner you have anymore, they may like decide they want to pee on you one drunken night. And <laughs> if you're still butt sore about it, they may be too afraid to ask then. Right. To pee. So it's,
1: it seems like you're saying just don't take it personally if you bring this up to someone and they're not immediately like obsessed with the idea which i i feel like probably there's a lot of cases where that happens not take it personally sort of like slow ease yeah. into it and, and you have nothing but it, time right you're in this annoying boring long-term monogamous relationship that's so. right
3: and if you get out into <laughs> sex positive spaces even where people aren't all fucking each other, like just sexual art shows, erotic art shows, erotic performances, swingers, parties, you get out into these places and what you discover is that most of the couples who are there, who are in open relationships, were in closed relationships with each other. That relationship was closed for the first 5, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years of its existence. So just because, you know, if you want an open relationship and with your partner doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that your partner won't one day, be ready for an open relationship or want an open relationship too. My partner didn't want an open relationship for the first four years that we were together. And now it's been 23 years since then. And it's been open that whole time.
1: Has Um, he ever wanted to go back to being closed?
3: Oh, you know, we've had our conflicts about uh, other guys and there's been times when we had fights and, you know, you have to stop seeing this person. Well, then you have to stop seeing that person. Like we've got, you know, it's not all, a lubey glide path. That said, you know, we're almost together 30 years. Um, we're parents of a grown child. Most couples like us are kind of hanging out, waiting to die. And with my husband and I, we get to look at each other and go, Well, even when we're in conflict about it, we're not bored, we're right. not just like biding time until one of us dies and we can then declare the marriage a success.
2: <laughs> It's, it's a, a good very point. Romantic. It, yeah. it, very romantic. I, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting... A lot of this stuff is changing your perspective. Like, it's just taking a, yeah. a, a little or bit of a... Or being open
1: to a new perspective. Right. Even, and it's not I prescriptive.
3: Think, yeah. Like, I, I, as a non-monogamous person, I recognize the singular benefits and perks of monogamy disease safety, a kind of emotional security, there is emotional risk in an open relationship. And and for a lot of people, those two things are really valuable and really important. And a relationship that doesn't have those things, uh, paternal security, if you're uh, childbearing years, sometimes for people, relationships that don't have those things, they don't feel safe and secure in them. And I, I respect that. You know, a lot of the advice I give isn't, Telling just monogamous people they have to be non-monogamous. It's telling monogamous people what they might want to bear in mind so that their monogamous relationship is a success. Like, go on adventures together so that your sex Mm. life doesn't fall apart and then you become resentful and leave the relationship to go find a new monogamous partner and then repeat that pattern of right. you're together for five or 10 years and it falls apart sexually. And so the only way to have good sex again is to get out. And people will get out if that's the only way to have good sex again. So my advice around go on adventures, maybe go to a sex club, maybe you don't touch anybody else. That's not be non-monogamous. That's Here's how you can be monogamous and keep it going and, and, and have and fun see, together. And
2: see your partner kind of in a new light. See them under a new... in in a new perspective a new sexiness and a whole new world right you don't have to see them
3: under a new person to see them (laughs) under a new light
2: uh we have a lot of couples that actually listen together so that's why i wanted to like get into like the you know the bumper cars version but what is you you're the sex expert and everyone needs to go uh go listen to the you know the savage love cast savage love is the weekly sex advice column and there's a book coming out in September, Savage Love from A to Z, Advice on Sex and Relationships, Dating and Mating, Exes and Extras. And it's coming out in September. You can pre-order now, I think. We, we think. We're not we sure. Um, but uh, books go- are
1: sold, I assume.
2: <sighs> yeah. Oh, my God. So-
3: I got the title of my own book wrong at the top of the show. That's how big a pothead I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, go check it. Just search Dan Savage. You're going to love all his stuff. And it's been great to have you on. Um, what's trending in sex these days? Like, surface level, what's like... What is going on in sex? Like if there's people out there that like, they're like, we're just sitting here in missionary town. What is the thing that's like happening in, in like trending, so to speak?
3: Well, certainly ass eating, as we said earlier, (laughs) seems to be trending. I think there's more experimenting around uh, gender, even for people who are uh, cisgender, more comfort with things that seem outside their particular genders norms, which could be you know, the finger up the butt for the straight guy, which could be um, pegging in a straight relationship. But the number one trend coming out of the pandemic is going to just be sucking fucking face again. It's going to be making out with a stranger you just met again. Uh, <laughs> right. The crazy thing about living through two pandemics that had a huge impact on people's sex lives when a 56-year-old gay man lived through HIV-AIDS, was sexually active during HIV-AIDS, and this one is one of the big messages we got during AIDS was kissing is safe. And so at least we had that, even if you weren't comfortable having any other kind of sex, you could make out. And then during this pandemic, it was like fisting is safe, kissing is not. <laughs> That's so funny. And it was a little like hard to you know, wrap my yeah. head around giving <laughs> Airborne that advice. particles, yeah. Yeah, if you want to have sex, you have to find a glory hole and someone through it outdoors. <laughs> uh, but whatever you do, No chaste kissing, like a peck on Mm. the cheek was riskier than an arm in the ass. And what people are going to really want to do, and I think was really coming is something just so simple, is making out with a stranger on a dance floor. I love that. Swapping spit uh, with somebody you just met.
2: I've been thinking about this a lot. It's, a, it's IRL summer. We, we deal with a lot of dating app questions, a lot of dating, you know, sliding into DMs. It, I feel like it's an IRL summer in real life. Like people are going to be out. People are going to be at bars, more w- willing to talk to each other. Just like you said, swap and spit. Why not?
3: I think that, I, that's a great expression, IRL summer. I'll credit Love you it. if I start using that on my podcast. I think that's really what's coming.
1: Love it. it. Gotta put that on a shirt. We gotta, <laughs> yeah, we, let, let's print them up, Maddie. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com betches.
2: You want to do the email, Jordana? Yeah. You want me to read it?
1: Why don't you read it?
2: Yeah. Okay. So listen, we got an email. Let's get into it. Hey, J&J. Love you guys. All the advice you give while adding comedy into dating. I have a relationship dilemma. Was hoping you could help me out. My boyfriend of a few years keeps bringing up wanting to have a threesome, and I would like some advice on how to handle this discussion. Here is some very important background info. I'm a 28-year-old bisexual woman and got out of a six-year relationship kind of shortly before my current one. With my previous boyfriend, we had a few threesomes and a fivesome with a with what? multiple different women <laughs> look at this person i uh, uh, what uh, five some they should just give you like an award after like a <laughs> like a plaque <laughs> like you've done it you've achieved the goal uh in the last year of our relationship we hooked up with my best friend quite a few times it was all fun and games until the breakup i thought we were taking steps forward when we he broke up with me one day and didn't really give a reason I thought it was mainly because he decided he didn't want to be with me forever and I'm sure that is still part of the reason, but I found out about a month after it ended that he was also cheating on me with the same best friend that we were hooking up with. Now that I look back on it, I am not surprised and should have seen the signs, but he is still an asshole for it. Okay, we don't disagree with that. Uh, One (laughs) sign was that we had a set of rules for threesomes that he was not allowed to, Penetrate her, but one drunken night that rule was broken without my consent. Fun fact to the end of the story my ex is now dating and living with this girl. Fast forward to today, my new boyfriend wants to have a threesome with another girl, shocker, and he, she wrote shocker, he was a work friend of mine where my ex and ex-best friend also worked before we got together, so he knows all about this previous situation. We are both very sexually competitive, usually have open communication about sex, and discuss few, uh, discuss things we might try in the future, and a threesome has come up a few times. He also jokes that my ex-boyfriend ruined threesomes for him because of how everything went down. I usually just love Laugh, shrug it off or say keep dreaming to avoid the full conversation because I am not sure what I want to say. I am open to having a threesome again one day because it was really fun, but I am scared that it will end in the same way with my boyfriend running away into the sunset with the other girl. You should also know that my boyfriend had a threesome before and also cheated on his girlfriend with the, with the other girl. So there's that. I would also like to have the same rule in place for at least the first time because I, of my own insecurities. I am worried that if I say that I am open in the, to it in the future, he will want to jump into one right away. I'm working through the relationship trauma with my therapist, but I also would like your opinion on what to do, how to word this, especially when it comes to taking the, his joke about, about it and turning it into a discussion. Any advice? Is appreciated. Thank you. Some girls just want to have fun. So Dan Savage, what do we think? <laughs>
3: Well, basically, she's saying, you know, I had a threesome with this guy and he cheated on me. If I hadn't had that threesome, he wouldn't have cheated on me. That cheater wouldn't have cheated as if the threesome is what facilitated or or made turned him into a cheater. And people do that with open relationships. Um, If the open relationship failed, it's because it was open. When a closed relationship fails, nobody blames monogamy.
2: Well, it's interesting what you're saying. We get a lot of we get a lot of I mean, this happens with non-open relationship. This happens when someone goes, I texted twice in a row. They blame the twice in a row right. that the relationship ended. I was too much, they'll say. Right. but that's we all know that's not true. And the same thing is, but the stakes are higher here.
3: Right. The, the, the really telling thing is that she enjoyed the threesomes and would like to have them again. So mm. I would encourage her to, instead of trying to game out the possible collapse of the relationship she's in now... To think of what she would enjoy and what she wants right now. And rather than look at her current boyfriend who has cheated, and it's not true that once a cheater, always a cheater. It is true once a cheater, likelier than someone who's never cheated to cheat in the future, but it's not uh, certain that a cheater cheats in the Mm -hmm. future, just slightly more likely. To look at him and say, okay, this is the problem with the last time. I had three ways is that he ended up cheating on me with the woman, just like you did with the woman that you and your ex had three ways with. So I need to see that you're going to honor my boundaries if we're going to go here, which means no penetrative sex with the other person, at least the first time. And, you know, having rules about what can happen during a threesome, even if they seem arbitrary is good because it's one way for the committed partners. If it's a couple having a threesome to demonstrate to each other that they are prioritizing each other, even in this situation where there's a third party in the room and they're enjoying that person. So I think it's fine for you to say no penetrative sex until I say so with the other person until I'm comfortable. And you may get comfortable with that and seeing that your boyfriend doesn't, in a drunken state, violate your consent or want to have penetrative sex or try to renegotiate the terms and the limits and the boundaries during the act, which puts a lot of pressure on somebody uh, or put a lot of pressure on you, that can end up making you feel more comfortable having these threesomes. But what really I think is the core issue here is that she likes threesomes too, that she would like to have these threesomes too. She just wants to have them with someone she feels safe with. And her current boyfriend can prove to her that he's she's safe with him only by having the threesomes. Will she see that he's safe <laughs> to have threesomes with? So it's sort of a catch-22. To feel safe having threesomes with him, you're going to have to risk having threesomes with him. Now, maybe he's not a great candidate. Maybe you should think about dating somebody else because he cheated on his ex in the exact same way your ex cheated on you. And if you're in therapy about the way your ex cheated on you, being with somebody who cheated on their ex the exact same way might not be a great idea. But if you're going to be with him, you're going to have to like take a leap and trust him at some point and trust him to do not just this thing that he wants to do. He's not imposing threesomes on you. It's also a thing that you want to do and you enjoy and you have to factor your own desires into this decision as well.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that's great advice. I was also wondering, I mean, do you think just because this is for, this is like a new relationship and you were saying you were with your husband for four years before you got into that. Do you feel like there almost has to be some sort of like in the short term for when you first get together, some sort of like maybe stricter boundary just so that you can become more committed to each other before you were to sort of get into this? Because it it seems like if you're doing this in the beginning of the relationship, it's not that secure because the relationship isn't that stable because it hasn't existed for that long.
3: You know, individual results may vary. <laughs> I know people who are in stable, committed relationships that were open from the very start. Um, right. I know people who waited 10 years and uh, needed to wait 10 years before they could open the relationship. And I know people who've been together for 30, 40 years who've never opened their relationship. What mattered to my husband, it mattered for us, was that he saw that even though monogamy wasn't what I wanted, I wanted him. I was committed to him more than I was committed to my preferred relationship model. And eventually he became so comfortable and so secure in that commitment that then he could think about opening the relationship. And he really instigated opening the relationship. It was he who uh, brought us to that, you know, said, I would like to do this now. And that, But he needed to see that from me. Now, what you need to see from someone to feel secure in the commitment, that could be very different. You know, two people who were never sexually exclusive, they may not, not need to see that from each other to feel secure in the commitment. There may be something else they need to see from each other to feel secure in the commitment. That's just as validating and just as valid.
2: Well, I would right. say, like, Jordana, you bring up a good point based on this email, because in this email, she's with some... a a huge part of this email is that she's with someone. It it ends badly. um, And he ends up with the person they had a threesome with. And now fast forward to today, my new boyfriend wants to have a threesome with another girl. He has a, he was a work friend of mine where my ex and ex best friend also worked. So like the idea that they're like in this new relation, I wouldn't feel comfortable if my new girlfriend jumped into a relationship with me a month after she knew that my last relationship ended because of all these threesome things. And then a week later, she's going, so I'm here at the threesome factory. When does it start <laughs> up again? <laughs> like, I I, I kind of understand this. Situ- I understand what you're saying, like, Dan, with, with like, it can happen either way. But like, in this situation, you know, there there's some pretty big signs that this guy could just be here for all the threesomes. Like, How I don't get, know. Do we,
3: wait, wait, do we know that? Is he pressuring her to hurry it up and have the threesome? Or is he just, if they just acknowledged in like, because you get to that point in a relationship where you lay your fantasy cards or kink cards down on the table. And are they at that point where threesomes are something that he enjoys and would like to experience again? And so she's obsessing about it. Or is he pressuring her? I don't think that's clear from sure. the, the email. It could just be that he tossed that out there as something that he'd like to someday get to do again but and she's he be, wringing her hands.
2: Wouldn't he be more comfortable bringing it up with someone he knows has this threesome? Like, if I, the idea that, like, oh, yeah, if I absolutely. was with a girl a month, yeah, I wouldn't be like, hey, so threesomes, if I didn't know, like, the history kind of matters that he knows about. Like, I could understand, like, what Jordan was saying. was like, it? I got to,
3: gotta... does he know about it from work or does he know about it from her? That would also make a right.
1: difference. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If I she to a-
3: told him, then then there's a reason she told him. Because if she wants he to let came him to know. the relationship knowing that she'd had threesomes. Maybe he selected her because he was hoping the threesome factory would reopen, like you said.
2: Sure. Right. Yeah, I, I just say the, the the trust issue is. I mean, that's number one, and she obviously doesn't trust him to like. I mean, I don't think that she would be like, "Let's have a threesome," and then like all of a sudden he'd have like all these vibrators in his hand, being like, "Let's go," you know? Like I I think he would be a little slower. To the threesome, then she's kind of worried about, but I, I do understand the, the problem, right?
3: Yeah. And the, the solution here is how do you establish trust and a feeling of safety and security? I would say to the emailer, what do you need to see from him? Like, for him not to bring this up anymore, for him to wait two years to have a threesome, for him to let you be the one who brings it up whenever you guys talk about it, or if you're going to have the threesomes to see that he totally respects your boundaries. Like, how can he prove to you that even though he stepped on the same rake your ex did and like he cheated with the person they were having, he and his ex were having threesomes with, how does he demonstrate to you that he's right? not going to make that mistake again and that you're safe having the threesome that you would also enjoy with him. And you can put that on him. You can, you 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 can can lay that in front of him.
1: I think you could bring that to any other like adve- like you're talking about adventure that someone would want to try. Let's say someone wants to go on a motorcycle with you. If you're like, I'll try it, but don't go too fast or don't do this thing. It's like if the person shows you they're caring by respecting your boundary, and then you can try something like new with them. Or I guess she's already done it, but try with this, but not with this partner. Like almost using it as a test to see like how much they respect your boundaries and care about right. making you comfortable. I think that's a great.
3: The swingers have a term called soft swap, which are couples who go to swingers' uh, parties where they don't have vaginal intercourse. This is a straight lingo term. They don't have vaginal intercourse with other people, but they do do oral and mutual masturbation. It's called soft swap. Like, and that's a problematic term because it's like rooted in the idea of wife swapping and it's men trading wives at these parties, which is. organized swinging is a matriarchy women really run it and are in charge because if women don't feel safe at swingers parties they leave and then it's over and so soft swap you know the couples who engage in that if you you, that's your understanding with your partner and you're doing soft swap and then you see your partner having vaginal intercourse on the other side of the room you're not going to feel safe you're not going to feel you're going to be angry you are that's cheating you're going to feel betrayed you also have bigger problems
2: in your relationship you know like yeah
3: But if you see every time you go, you see your partner like saying no to people who want to have vaginal intercourse, only engaging in the soft swap that you mutually agreed to, you'll feel safe with your partner. Maybe safe enough one day to renegotiate that boundary, maybe safe enough one day to allow your partner or your partner to allow you to have penetrative intercourse, vaginal intercourse, or maybe not. But just seeing your partner honor that boundary makes you feel safer doing that thing. But, but eventually you reach that bungee jump point where you just have to like, you're having a three-way or you're not having a three-way. Yeah. And your partner can prove to you that they're safe to have a three-way with during the three-way. And eventually you got to like strap in and jump.
2: Listen, this has been fantastic. Yeah, that's, right.
1: that's great advice. Yeah, great advice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. And to just reiterate, where can we find your book? Anywhere that books are sold, I assume. Anywhere and Anywhere comes books out in September? are sold.
3: Uh, and please do patronize your independent local bookstores, as, as I do uh, at Elliott Bay Books in Seattle. Uh, but of course, you can't get it on Amazon. Um, and you can find my column and my podcast at com.
1: Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. We will be back on Wednesday. Bye. You Up is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Maddie Paul. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at YouUpPod on Instagram and Twitter. And send us your emails to youup@betches.com. at betches.com. Batches.